yeah, it's just dumb. They're just like, it's just silly. If they wanted to make a Dumbledore and Grind- Grindelwald series, they should have done that. Just I don't know that. why they framed it as through, <laughs> Newt Scamander is the key to unlocking people's interest in a Dumbledore origin thing. Like, you could have just done a Dumbledore series. You could have just done Dumbledore. Yeah. I'd- what What my sister and I always say is the thing they should have done is have a separate Dumbledore Grindelwald series. Fine. Okay. And then do a weekly like TV show, Fantastic Beasts of Where to Find Them, every week, a different beast, different location. Yep. Just make it wild thornberries, but with magic. Oh, yeah, considering there, easy. Was, the, easy. <laughs> there was only one beast in this whole yeah. movie. Yes. <laughs> it was it's pretty, pretty fantastic. fantastic. Along the <laughs> they way. They found it, it immediately. It gets br- one of them gets brutally murdered and then is a zombie. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Yay. It was an interesting. Classic Give us your money, kids. Interesting movie. I like how they just decided people in the past got to fly around now too. So like just yep. for some reason there was a 20 year period where nobody flew and then everybody did it again. Well, that's like, I mean, Wonder Woman 1984, she learns how to fly and then she forgets by the Justice League apparently. <laughs> that would have been really useful against Steppenwolf. Fantastic. <laughs> oh man. It also would have been really useful in Nightmare on Elm Street 1984. <laughs> Good transition. <laughs> nice. Um, so as you guys know, I don't know how to start the podcast yet, so it's either going to be a seamless transition into the topic at hand for the week or... Something like, welcome to Late to the Movies. My name is Ben Holt, and this is a podcast where my friends and I get to fill in our movie blind spots. Every week, we'll pick a movie that either I or a guest or sometimes both haven't seen before and really should have by now. This week, continuing Halloween in June, a whole month on low-budget horror movies. We're going to be talking about 1984's A Nightmare on Elm Street from Wes Craven. Before we get into talking about that, though, let me introduce my guest. We got Robbie. Yo. Kyle. Hey. Back at it again. Have you guys been in a pod together yet? Yeah. We yeah, did one at yeah. Robbie's house. We've done one at Robbie's house, <laughs> but not too many. Yeah. I keep forgetting that you've only been on a few. Mm. So, I, but yeah. The yeah. wedding singer was at your house. I guess yes. I can tell you're trying to figure it out. No, I was trying to think if there was two or just one. I think just the wedding singer, maybe. Yeah. So uh, thanks for being here for this movie that I know we all loved. Mm-hmm. So good. And um, <laughs> we'll get into the, the the extreme disagreements that I wasn't expecting, but I'm excited to have later. But first, have you guys seen anything good recently? Uh, I saw The Boys, the first three episodes of the new season anyway. That was pretty fantastic. Uh, highly recommend. And then I think I just, what was the other one? Oh, Stranger Things. Yeah, Stranger I'm loving Things Stranger Things. The new season. Yeah. I am. I also enjoyed the first seven episodes of the season um, when it stays in Indiana. <laughs> uh, other than that, I think we're going to try and have a bonus this episode on Stranger Things, so I'll mostly hold back on that. But you guys are enjoying it? Yeah. yeah. I, I think this season's great. Every episode, I'm like, wow, that was a great episode. Yeah, it's probably the second best season. And I love that the episodes are long. I love that it's over an hour. I feel like I'm getting a lot out of each episode. Mm. I think Greg and I talked about this last night, but it's really funny to go from like really pure Scooby-Doo-esque adventures with the teens in Hawkins and then go to a scene of like Hopper in a Russian work camp being like, "Ah, I guess all men resent their fathers. Like, what are we doing here? (laughs) This is not as interesting. I don't know if you guys know this, but we shouldn't be giving equal time to these things. No, that's fair. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, anything else you guys have seen? Uh, Kenobi. Kenobi has been good too. I haven't. I haven't started watching that yet. I haven't watched any of the boys, but I keep putting it on my list. You gotta watch the boys. Gotta watch the boys. Kenobi was good though. Uh, Ewan McGregor had to call out some racism already, so that's not too surprising. But uh, yeah, uh, I saw they made the mistake of putting a black character in Star Wars again. They did. They really got to be more careful with that because you know everyone just loses their shit. It's really insane how toxic Star Wars fans are online, and and you'd like to think it's you know a minority, but they but they're they're as vocal every time. It's really weird. Oh yeah, and I mean to be fair, the writing for her character isn't great, but it's not like. Uh, her fault. She's still a yeah. good actress. It's just the character writing's a little eh, but it's fine. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what you expect from these Disney plus things. Yeah. It's, it's the whole thing is just like so distasteful that it's kind of like repelling me from watching more at the moment, but I, I will watch it eventually. I love you, McGregor. They got, they got Hayden Christensen in there in the Darth Vader stuff. Yeah, but they That's still have cool. um, James Earl Jones as the voice. 
do they actually, or is it a robot James Earl Jones? I mean, it's a robot anyway, but yeah, it's a, it's a robot, robot James Earl okay. Jones. I know he's he's pretty old now and his voice has changed. But. 91. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so I, uh, they do their, their fancy digital magic, but yeah. whatever. It's supposed to be mechanical anyway. I'm just haunted by Luke Skywalker's weird soulless eyes in the uh, Book of Boba Fett. <laughs> it's fine. You just don't stare directly at them. Yeah, he can't hurt you. Uh, I did go to see Petit Mama yesterday, which was you talked about on a previous episode. Vaz had seen it, said it was like a big warm hug, like being wrapped in a big blanket. And I agree. It's it's really good if you can catch it. Go for it. I think it's been on some streaming services, but it was the first time it played near us. Also, uh, I watched a movie uh, a couple days ago called Irma Vep, which everyone who's French in the movie pronounces Irma Wep, whatever. It's an anagram for vampire. So it's a movie about a remake of La Vampire, this French movie that was early silent film that has a main character, Irma Vip, who is often considered the first femme fatale in movies. Um, it's from the, this movie, though, is from the 90s. It's about the making of a remake of that movie that goes really wrong. And it is itself a satire of the French film industry. It stars Maggie Chung playing herself as the lead actress who has like a terrible time because she doesn't speak French and no one's being that nice to her. And uh, it's, it's, it's pretty incredible. I hadn't seen it before. I don't know what I thought it would be like, but it was not like I thought it would be at all. Now, why did I watch this French film from the 90s? Well, uh, one of my favorite and most underappreciated, in my mind, actresses in the game today, Alicia Vikander, is about to star in a remake on HBO of Irma Vep um, by the same director, Oliver Assayas, uh, however he would pronounce it. He's French. Who knows? Uh, there's no way of knowing. <laughs> Certainly couldn't have looked it up in advance. He's made in the 90s a satire about the re- a remake of a iconic film, and now he is himself remaking his movie from the 90s as a miniseries. Um. And I just think the I appreciate metatextual narratives, so I'm excited to see what happens. But the movie itself, highly recommend. It's pretty short. It's awesome. It has a couple sequences that are just like so punk rock in a pretty awesome way. It's it's pretty funny too. But it, to these bits that are just like deconstructing um, cinema in a really cool way. <sighs> and I still feel bad that I didn't give Alicia Vikander a supporting actress lady last year so uh for her role in the green knight where she was awesome i went to see top gun maverick twice in theaters it it is as good as everyone says it is uh this isn't a podcast about uh, i've gone maverick so i won't say anything else about it yesterday as we're recording this was the 40 year anniversary of poltergeist which would have been fun to do but its budget was just a little too high to fit into this one it was produced by steven spielberg directed by toby hooper turned 40 yesterday I also want to mention, um, you've heard of Wordle, but there's two daily games that I play related to movies that I think are really good and want to shout out. One of them is called Framed. It's at framed.wtf. And it's uh, every day it shows you an image from a movie and you have to try and guess the movie it is. And you get six guesses, so it shows you six different images until you get it, basically. It's a really good game. And then also Box Office Game, which is at boxofficega.me, and uh, it is exactly what it sounds like. If you've ever listened to Blank Check, which I mentioned a bunch of times, at the end of their episodes, they play the box office game where a specific weekend you're trying to guess the box office top five from, and it gives you hints, and it's pretty fun. You guys want to talk about Freddy? (laughs) I would would love to talk about Freddy. Robbie's seen this movie before. Kyle hasn't. And I hasn't. So uh, this is always fun when we get to do a movie that I hadn't seen before. <sighs> me or Kyle? Do you want to do this a one-minute summary? Yeah, I can do that. I'm um, sure you'll be very charitable. Yeah, give me give me a, a second to think about this. Sure. All right, so uh, this is A Nightmare on Elm Street. The movie opens up, and we're immediately in a girl's dreams, a young girl's dreams, um, who you find out later is supposed to be a 15-year-old high school student, yep. um, which I would have not guessed, uh, especially because of the things that these high school students are doing uh, later on in the movie. And you follow four high school students throughout their uh, 
freshman year of high school and their dreams are being invaded by Freddy Krueger, who you find out later in the movie had uh, murdered 20 kids, possibly at the school. And the parents ended up murdering Freddy. And now he is somehow back invading the dreams of the kids of the parents that had killed him. And uh, they're trying to figure out a way to stop Freddy from murdering them. My time was up. You had you still got like ten seconds. Okay, I didn't like it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you for forcing us to confront at the beginning, as I often forget to do. I like this movie a lot, and you've seen it before. Yeah, I like it. It's a it's a good movie. I mean, it's not one of my favorite movies, but Mm. it's it's a good movie. So this is funny because I wanted Kyle on this episode because he loves the Scream series, and I thought like, oh, Wes Craven, let's do it. I think the Scream series is so good. And for reasons that I love the Scream series, I dislike A Nightmare on Elm Street. And I was saying this to Ben earlier. Maybe if I watched more of the A Nightmare on Elm Street series, then I would like it because maybe there is answers to the reasons why I do not like it. Um, But I'll get more into that later. Yeah, interesting. I had never seen this movie before because as I think I've stated anytime we've done a horror movie, I'm a big, big scaredy cat and I don't... uh, watched that many horror movies until about a year ago. I started forcing myself to watch more. I've always been super interested. Usually if a big horror movie comes out and is like getting a ton of play, I'll just look up the premise and be like, Ooh, that sounds cool. I can't watch it though. I'll die. (laughs) Um, but yeah, I've I've gotten better at watching horror movies. This was, this was a fun time. I really like this. This movie just hits the ground freaking running, which I super appreciate. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's really good. I I've always liked this one. I think I watched it back in college when, um, the remake came out. I ended up watching the um, the original, and the remake actually isn't that bad either. They're both pretty mild as far as horror movies go. Yeah, there's a grand total of, what, four kills on this movie? I think so. Yeah. Three main characters, and then I guess the mom, even though you don't really see her being killed as much, that's still, like, even counting that, I think it's four. Yeah. Yeah, you do see her dead Depending on how you interpret the ending. (laughs) And I mean, two of the deaths are just so ridiculous, I I wouldn't even call them, like, scary. Yes. Yeah, yeah, it it feels like a a disappointment when Rod just gets hanged. Yeah. Because you're like, I don't know, the other ones were cooler. Yeah, right? Tina floated all around the room and stuff. I don't know how he controlled the blanket, but that was, uh, you know. Yeah. It's Freddy. It's Freddy. There's no rules. Dream logic. <laughs> Kyle, why do you hate this movie? <laughs> okay. So no, probably uh, let's address the elephant in the room. I guess. Okay. So the entire movie up until the point where the mom explains why Freddie or she doesn't even believe that Freddie's attacking, attacking her daughter, Nancy. She's just like, oh, he can't hurt you because he's dead. Um, I'm, I'm wondering why is Freddie attacking these kids? So most of the movie, you don't you don't know why these kids are being attacked by Freddy. Freddy is invading their dreams and you have no idea. And then Nancy's mom ends up explaining he was killing kids. And the for some reason, he gets out of court on a technicality. So he is he gets arrested. He has a trial. Someone didn't sign a search warrant. So he they believe he killed these 20 kids, but they're going to let him go, which is already unrealistic to me. Um, that he's just going to be let free of murdering these 20 children. And she explains, so we did something about it. The parents got together and we burned his building down and he died. And here is his knife hand that, that I stole. So he can't hurt you, but he's invading their dreams. So how do we get from this real person who was murdering children to this person who is now invading your dreams? So I can get behind a real killer. I can get behind somebody who is going around murdering people, like in the Scream franchise. Or I can get behind Paranormal Activity or The Conjuring, where we know it's a demon. And I can get behind aliens invading and murdering a bunch of people. But they never give you that connection to, Freddy was a real person, now he's invading your dream, so he's some sort of demon now. How did we get there? So I, I want that yeah, answer. Yeah, right. Yeah, I don't and, care. And maybe, yeah, and maybe, <laughs> maybe later on in the A Nightmare on Elm Street franchise, they give you that. Like maybe not. Freddy made a deal with the devil. No, Robbie's shaking his head. No, I, yeah, I haven't seen him, but I don't see why it's necessary. Yeah, so that's <laughs> yeah. that's why I can't get behind it. And it's, it's such an interesting stumbling block. 
yeah. I didn't so, mean to cut you off if you're still. No, it's okay. No, I'm good. That's that, I'm that's good. the reason I dislike. I'm out. It. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No, it just doesn't bother me. So for me, it's either if I really wanted to think about it, maybe it's there's this collective trauma in this particular suburb that you can see the the, the really good work that it does to establish that this guy is sort of. Did it happen? Did it not? People don't really talk about them anymore, but it's in the kid nursery rhymes while they're jumping rope and stuff. Um, just like how, you know, that that's that's the thing that's referenced in one of the Witcher 3 DLCs for the people out there who are nerdy like me. Um, and it's just like this guy's passed into urban legend. Um, is it there's a demon that is capitalizing on the fact that there's this collective trauma point and he's just sort of using this guy's deal as a way into the subconscious of this particular area. I think he's just supposed to be If you want to do that, but I think it just happens. It's fine. I think he's just, he's supposed to be a ghost. Yeah. Like they killed him. He came back Uh, in the, the remake. They, um, they give it a little bit more of a backstory. They don't answer the questions you're looking for, but if you're wondering, like, I think you said why these kids and in the, in the remake, they make it that these are the surviving kids from the class um, and he had like molested a bunch of the kids and he was coming back to get them. So it gives it a little bit of a, um, explanation as to why he targeted these people. But, um, I don't know. I don't think you need to know how he's, he's yeah. doing it. He's just an evil guy that figured out he could, maybe I, you just have to be really fucking evil and you get to come back and murder people in their dreams. I wanted to like yeah. it. Like I wanted to go in liking it because I love the scream franchise and that was Wes Craven. So I went in thinking I'm going to love this movie. That was my mentality going in. So it's so, I think it's weird that I came out that I was like, I really did not like that. Oh, that's, yeah, that's too bad. I'm glad you you soldiered on and watched it for us. But uh, yeah, I really liked this movie. <laughs> uh, let's get into it a little bit. We can sort of like inject opinion as we go. The opening credit sequence is him making the glove. And I really appreciate that they were like, this thing's going to be iconic and we're going to force it to be. So here's the, every bit of him making the glove and you see like the component, him working on the hinge movement and attaching the knives and stuff and smart. And then you're in a dream sequence. It's, it's good. It's Tina. Tina is the first person that you see in a dream sequence. And maybe for the first 20 minutes of the movie, you assume she's the main character. Yep. She's not. <laughs> she does not last super long. Um, Did pretty quick. So, yeah. So often, I don't know, parodied, homaged, referenced, whatever. That first opening dream sequence, you're in that, like, Freddy's fun boiler room situation. Um, yeah. Low-budget filmmaking. They found a creepy boiler room. Let's set every <laughs> every dream <laughs> sequence here. Perfect. Uh, speaking of like the hand, yeah, right. I think great murder weapon, right? It's it's very iconic. You recognize it immediately. But what was like? I I thought there was something more behind it. Like I thought like maybe he was a gardener. Like he no, it just yeah, it's just for murdering, <laughs> just a murder tool. I was like maybe this is like a hoe, and he like uses it in the ground or something. Nope. Okay. You're putting too much logic into it. I'm it's trying. A goofy yeah. horror movie. I need to see the schematics on this glove. <laughs> I need a whole slumdog millionaire situation going into <laughs> Freddy's past to why he wanted knives on a glove. <laughs> um, if it's just for murder, and I'm fine. I'm just serious. I wasn't sure if there was murder. It's like murdering. I don't know what his role was at the school. Like, did he work at the school? No, I don't think that boy room's at the school. Okay. I wasn't sure how he got access to these kids. Through their dreams. Did you not get that? <laughs> no, when no. He's, when they're, he, they're murdering them, but I mean, like, when he, he was, was killing just, the like, kids. Grab when he was, a kid and go murder them. In, okay. in the sequel, he was like the janitor for it. Okay, the so remake, he, was. he was the That makes janitor. a lot. Of, that makes sense, but I don't need it. I guess he, is like, what I'm saying. He, like, lived in the boiler room. He had, yeah. like, a secret passage. It was. It okay. Was, was, you didn't need it. The second, the remake was fine, but the first one was also fine. So, like, it, it, they work either way. Yeah. So. I guess so. The the twisted Freddy canon. Um, so this movie comes out. The next year they put out the second one. The third one is a few years later, 87, I want to say. Um, by 1994, New Nightmare, Wes Raven's New Nightmare. Oh, okay. Um, that is only, so 84 is the first one. 94 is New Nightmare, and it's the seventh Freddy movie. Oh, jeez. <laughs> um, 
so yeah, they vary in quality, but for the most part, people like the, you know, the first one is this legendary movie. People like the third one, dream warriors a lot. And people like new nightmare and you as a scream fan might like new nightmare, or at least sort of recognize the, the area that um, Wes Craven's playing in. It's about a pro- movie production of this story, essentially. Oh, okay, that's cool. Which is Scream 3 Scream also. 3, yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, Heather Langenkamp plays herself, the actress who plays Nancy. She plays herself as an actor who played Nancy. Oh, that's awesome. In <laughs> A Nightmare on Elm Street. And now they're remaking it in New Nightmare. And I haven't seen that one, but I might like just pick and choose. People say the third one's really good. People say New Nightmare is really good. Probably not coincidentally. Those are the three that Heather Langenkamp is in as Nancy or in the third one as herself. Um, the third I listed, not the third one where she still plays Nancy. Sorry. Point. I guess point being, it's a confusing canon. And, oh, a, yeah. and there's a TV series. Eventually, he's facing off with Jason. Oh, yeah. I forget when you like really look at all of these movies. There's like 30 of them. Like... <laughs> Did like right in the beginning where uh, they're going over to sleep over at Nancy's house and Glenn's trying to get it in with Nancy and she's like, no, we're here to support Tina. And I'm like, all right. <laughs> like as somebody there in that situation, like, so we got to go sleep over at Tina's house and now I can't have sex because she had a nightmare. And then what is it? 30 seconds later, Tina's just getting railed, like just going to town. Yeah. I would be so mad if I was Glenn. I did. I did feel bad for Glenn when he's just like, man, this is this is the worst night. <laughs> this is just the worst night. And it gets worse. It does get worse. So the first time we meet Rod, they're going into school. And everyone hates him. Yeah, and everybody hates him. And Tina's making fun of his penis size. And I don't remember exactly what she says, but something about like, oh, it's real small. And then he he runs off or they run off. Some They, they disperse from each other. And I'm like, wow, this must be the jerk of the movie. Like, I'm supposed to hate this guy. And then the very next time we see him, he tackles Glenn. And then he's like, let's go have sex, Tina. And she's like, don't let me be alone with this guy. And then 30 seconds later, we hear them having sex. I'm like, how am I supposed to feel about this you relationship? Know, teenagers, you work yeah. in high school. It's fine. <laughs> it's not like that. <laughs> they either like someone or they don't. Yeah. There's no, I hate this guy. Come on in. Don't let me be alone with him. You know, the kind of like uh, the bad boy thing, like girls like bad boys. I don't know. I don't know what to, just, tell. I I, to tell you. I, I don't felt need... very weird about their relationship. I think she's just playful with them. Like, yeah, oh, you got a small... I think it's, yeah, I think it's that. They're just kind of playful, like you're saying. And just... Yeah, their relationship just made me uncomfortable. I think in the 80s, guys are much more jerky, yeah. <laughs> in, at least in movies. I wasn't alive. Cannot attest in person. But, yeah, this is just uh, an archetype of uh, kind of guy that you're supposed to feel that way about. So when... The cops are chasing him because it seems like he's the murderer to them. Obviously, we know he's not. Mm. You're just, it's a kind of flips that on its head because then you're like, oh, no, he's he's just misunderstood. <clears throat> oh, man. I Yeah. Not like that's been referenced by anything. Mm. Nudge, nudge this season of Stranger Things. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Which has at least four or five direct references to this movie. And in it. Robert oh. England's in it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Robert England literally in this season of Stranger Things in the long Silence of the Lambs sequence. That's a 90s movie. Not sure why it's in the 80s nostalgia show, whatever. What was the silent sequence? Uh, When they do the first 10 minutes of Silence of the Lambs, but in Stranger Things, when they go to the asylum. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yep. Okay, fair. And they meet the warden. He gives them a tour. He brings them down to the basement, but then doesn't go in with them because yep. they ask if they can see him alone. It's the exact same sequence with Jodie Foster and the warden there. Nobody jerks off on him. No. No. Anyway, yeah, Robert Englund, Stranger Things this season. Does a good job. Is creepy. Uh, let's talk about him. He wasn't the necessarily first choice or even what Wes Craven was really looking for for this role, but... He came into the audition with some cigarette ash smeared under his eyes and some uh, oil from the dipstick of his car slicking his hair back and just was real creepy, and they liked that. Hmm. They dug it. All right. Um, what, what? Like, oh, shit, I have an audition? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Time yeah, he just came in like that. Let's be creepy. He had mostly played just like nebbishy guys and, and hadn't really done anything uh, like a bad guy, never mind evil. Hmm. Um. 
Wes Graven said he looked at hundreds of guys and a lot of old men. I wanted someone that was very agile. He learned from making films like The Hills Have Eyes that it wasn't the bigness of the villain that paid off. It was the evil he was able to transmit as an actor. He wants someone who was an actor rather than a stuntman, someone who could convey a sense of evil and who was very enthusiastic about getting to an evil state. Uh, yeah. I Robert get England that. Robert is enthusiastic. He, he is. is. Uh, Freddie is having a great time. Freddie is loving life. And like, I, as a whole, he just loves his I job, don't man. like the movie, but I can appreciate like a few of the moments that Freddie has. Like when he's, I think it's Tina at this point. I think we talked about this earlier when he's like, hey, Tina. Watch this. And he just chops <laughs> off a couple of his fingers and maggots come out. And he's just smiling like, check that shit out. It's freaking you out, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, like, why so did you freaking... do that, Freddy? And then I'm going to chase you real clumsy like. <laughs> yeah. yeah the he's long just kind of lumbering. He yeah. gets me every time. Yeah, I love when he just has long arms for no reason. It's so good. <laughs> like, it's really know. scary. It's like the first time you see him just about too. He's yeah. got them long arms. <laughs> just like very long arms. Which, I mean, for the person running away, it's still terrifying no matter how ridiculous it looks to us mm -hmm. the viewer, but I just get a kick out of it yeah. every time. Yeah. I can it. appreciate how slow they made them run away. Like you can tell that they're they're not moving fast in these dream sequences. And like in nightmares, you know how like when you're running away from scary people and you're like, oh, I feel like my legs aren't moving. I felt like that was like a good way to capture that. Like they, they're like they trying to a, run and they're like, I'm stuck in sludge. <laughs> do a great job with the dream logic of just like stuff is happening and it's just like, okay, now this is happening. And yeah, we definitely have had that experience, right? When she's trying to run up the stairs and the stairs are made out of wet concrete or cake or whatever. Cake or stairs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Damn yeah. cake stairs. It's just, it's really good. I like, yeah, we we all agree. It was a great movie. Um, I think we have, yeah, England is just so good in this. He, he seems to just emanate this sort of malice and gleeful malice that, yeah, you need an actor for that. You can't just make that through uh, makeup and you can't just make that with special effects because they did not have the budget for that. So a lot of the scariest stuff when Freddy's there is just him being like, aha, it's me. <laughs> Check out my tit. Now it's cut open. <laughs> I love when he's just like, more maggots. <laughs> more maggots, yeah. Yeah, he's just like, check this shit out. <laughs> it's going to freak you out. You're not going to like this at all. <laughs> Do I even have to kill you? Or are you just going to kill yourself to freak me out in one of these bits? Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about uh, Nancy. Heather Lane Camp playing Nancy. They wanted someone who wasn't that Hollywood. She was just sort of a struggling actress at this point. And yeah, she doesn't, um, you know, not that she's like a hideous monster of a person, but she doesn't look like a typical, you know, stereotypical, I guess I should say, Hollywood leading lady, which mm. is which helps, I think, for this. Um, I appreciate that a lot like the last movie we talked about, Halloween, which isn't the last time we'll reference that in talking about this. Um, she's not like some kind of damsel in distress. She forms a plan. Mm. And if more people had just worked with her on the plan, she gives them directions. If they had just executed their side multiple times, it yeah. probably would have maybe not worked, maybe depending on how you, again, view the ending. But she at least was like, she doesn't run away and fall down. She isn't just like screaming the whole time. She's just like, okay, this is happening. Here's how we're going to fix this. Try to get them. Yeah. Whether, whether or not it works, I appreciate that she isn't just trying. <laughs> My favorite part of the plan is the, the ending when she's realized everything that's happening and that she can pull Freddy out of it. She thinks she can pull Freddy out of the dream anyway from when she went yeah. earlier in the she movie to like the, the hospital and they hooked her up to everything. She pulls the hat out um, and she calls Glenn, who is her next door neighbor, and says, hey, I've told you about 12 times at this point, but do not fall asleep. That's when people die. Yeah, I'm going to need you in a couple hours at midnight. Can you do that? And he's like, yeah, no problem. She's been up for seven days at this point, they let us know. She's been drinking coffee. She's hiding coffee in her room. She's taking pills to stay awake. And Glenn, all he needs to do is come over at midnight with a baseball bat, and they're going to get Freddy. And obviously he falls asleep. We get the view of him waking up because his mom wakes him up because his TV is too loud at 11.42, right before midnight. And so he just doesn't need to fall asleep for 18 minutes. And of course, he falls asleep and gets sucked down into the bed. 
Um, Can't do it. Yeah, and dies. And then we see um, her calling next door after Glenn has died. Her dad is there. Dad, come on over in 20 minutes. I'm going to get the murderer. He's like, all right, crazy daughter. <laughs> Just go to sleep. Yeah, no. So they come up with all these plans. and Or Nancy comes up with all these plans. Nobody listens to her. It ends up getting her mom killed because Glenn doesn't come and help. Then her dad doesn't come and help. She lights Freddy Krueger on fire after pulling him out of the dream after she sets up her house like home alone. And there's all these traps for Freddy. And somehow he sneaks upstairs on fire and lays on top of the mom and she burns to death and gets sucked down into the bed. And I think that's when the dad finally realizes, like, something's fucking going on here. Now, she didn't look like the crypt yeah. caver last time I saw her. And I've and never she seen is. that portal to hell in her bed. <laughs> Freddy's in beds. I mean, like, sleep in a hammock. You'll be fine. Yeah, so then her dad is like, you're going to be okay? Like, after they watch the mom get sucked <laughs> into the bed. Oh, every child has to go through the loss of a parent. It's a- you're going to be okay? She's like, yeah, just... Give me a minute. And he closes the door and then she turns her back and Freddy Krueger reappears. And we've been getting this throughout the whole movie where someone has said, you know, if you turn your back on something evil in your dream, like it's just a dream, it goes away. So she says, I'm taking my power back from you, Freddy. I'm turning my back on you and I want my life back and my friends back and you're going to disappear and then he goes to attack her and he disappears because apparently she has taken away all of his power by just turning around. And then she walks out the door and it's a brand new day. And her mom's alive again and her friends come to pick her up and she jumps in the car like nothing's wrong. And then we get the the red and green convertible top flops over showing you that Freddy is still there and he the car's locked and... The car drives off and Glenn says he's not driving and the mom gets sucked back into the house <laughs> through the window and you you get the idea that Freddy is still there. I don't know how to take that. Was the whole thing a dream? Is that a dream? I, that's what it wants you to ask, I think. <laughs> yeah, I, but I hate that. Like she, she takes all of Freddy's power away for him to somehow bring everybody back to life and now they're all dead again. Well, I don't. Well, yeah, I don't think that last bit happens. IRL. Well, I guess if she's in other movies, right? Then it definitely. Does. I well, I think they retcon that for the third one, but like she's not in the second one. She's just having some sort of nightmare at the end. Or yeah, probably because he hasn't controlled cars before. It's very Beetlejuicy that the hard top of the car or the soft top of the car has his like sweaters, uh, you know, logo on it, basically. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think it's, uh, you know, it doesn't bother me. I think it's a pretty, pretty cool ending. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't think you're supposed to logic too much of it. I think they were leaning into a lot of the horror movie tropes. I mean, I think at, that's my problem. At one point, she's like, I, I'm so tired. I haven't slept. I look like I must be 20. And I Googled the actress and she was exactly 20 when they filmed this. So, like, that seems like a very tongue in cheek joke to me of like. I am a 20-year-old actress trying to pretend to pee a 15-year-old. I don't know. I think they were just le- were leading into things to just make a movie that was a little bit of a joke on horror movies. Was it made yes. to be a comedy horror movie, though? Or was this made to be a um, horror movie? In between. It's a satire in some ways of the prevailing horror tropes of the day. This is a few years, six years after Halloween, and it's just been slasher knockoffs since Halloween, basically, until this movie comes out. And so this is trying to subvert a lot of that, for one. Like, the main character is a woman, but is not helpless and dumb and clumsy. Um, the character who is the... Sorry, the character... The, the villain isn't just wearing a mask and isn't just, like, you know deaf, dumb, and mute like a lot of these killers are. He's like present and he's wearing a lot of makeup, but it is technically his face and he's having a good time and he's making jokes and stuff. Yep. Um, so it's just kind of, that's I think why critics liked it so much at the time. It probably felt like such a breath of fresh air. Uh, yeah, which is, which Wes Craven obviously takes to its logical conclusion with the Scream series. That is quite literally characters talking about how they are subverting tropes of horror movies <laughs> or playing into them. 
I haven't seen any of the screams. They're really good. So good. I own most of them on um, Blu-ray if you want to borrow them. Yeah, again. I own one of them on digital, though. He doesn't know any blue man named Ray. <laughs> as, as discussed on the Wedding Singer episode. <laughs> yeah. Um, I. Uh, what's up with the parents? Why do they look like, you know, just waxy hams? <laughs> they, they're... they're there's this thing, I don't know, in certain movies where people who are, I don't know if they're wearing too much makeup or whatever, but did f- not even necessarily from the 80s, but whatever microwaves were coming out in the 50s, 60s, and you see the print ads where they're like microwaving an entire ham um, and it just looks shellacked. Gotcha. That's kind of what these people look like. I agree. Yeah. Mom and dad of Nancy. It's like bizarre. That. The um, the dad who, uh, he's in like 200 different movies. He's this cult icon. John Saxon plays the dad. The mom is played by Ronnie Blakely. She got an Academy Award nomination for Nashville back in the 70s. And yeah, they're just both at such a weird pitch, which is, I think, fun. I think a lot of the performances are at a bizarre pitch. But there's one moment that contributes to the overall sense of urban legend thing that they're building with Freddy that... I like that they never explain it, but everyone else knows a lot more than you do, pretty much. Mm. When she, Nancy, is telling her parents, it's, I know who the killer was. It's this guy. He had a hat and a red and green sweater, and et cetera, et cetera. And they, they like just give each other a knowing look. And you're like, oh, fuck. That's so cool that they're not telling you, but they're just like, oh, oh yep. it's that guy. Can't be that guy. We took care of him. Yeah. Anyway, I think the parents are good. I'm just saying they look bizarre, but I think that's part of it. <laughs> I think they were a little dumb for not questioning how the hell she got that guy's hat in the middle of they a just, damn she, yeah. sleep study. Her mom just thought she like hid it in her, like, she was wearing... You and your prop comedy. Like... you and your prop comedy. Weird time to try this bit out, Nancy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're, they had her change into like a hospital that's, I was just, thing, There's right? no way in hell she... Where do you think she had that hat on her? I don't know. That did annoy me a little bit. Uh, Fred Krueger, Wes Craven's childhood bully. So he's just like, fuck you. Now this evil guy is named Fred Krueger. That's kind of hilarious. Uh, one of the villains in Last House on the Left is named Krug, also in reference to Fred Krueger, his childhood bully. So That's um, pretty fantastic. It's, it's, it's pretty funny. I feel like that happens a lot. Um, Michael Myers was a person that helped uh, distribute uh, Assault on Precinct 13 in Europe. And they were just like, yeah, Michael Myers is a good name for a villain <laughs> for Halloween. So maybe uh, when we do our next episode, perhaps those 20-year-olds in Maryland knew someone named Blair Witch. <laughs> I don't know. I guess that's going to end the streak. <laughs> eh, it could be somebody named Blair. Or yeah. No. She's a real witch. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I dig all the dream logic. And I think that's the ending's all dream logic, too. It doesn't make any sense. I don't think we can make it make sense. No. Unless she's just been dreaming the whole time or since at, at some point in that last sequence, maybe she doesn't actually pull him into the real world and she doesn't wake up from that. And that's all still just part of the dream. Mm. Maybe. I don't know. You can see that. I do love how he tells her that he killed Glenn and it's, uh, I'm your boyfriend now, Nancy. Then the tongue comes out of the receiver. Yeah, that's... <laughs> that's just the kind of thing that multiple times in this movie, it's like, man, Wes Craven's just probably describing stuff to people and they're like, okay, sure. <laughs> uh, apparently he didn't want this, this, the gooey steps though himself, but I still, as, as a, a weird adherent to auteur, auteur theory, I'd like to think that it's all Wes Craven, even though obviously despite being made for $1.1 million, there's plenty of people work on this movie and I don't want to short shrift them their credit, but that's just how my brain operates. Mm. It's like a Home Alone, but make it horror. Yeah, that last bit is just like he used. You said Home Alone. You did. I wrote down. She Home Alones him. She does a total. I did appreciate like him getting hit with the sledgehammer and be like, oh, yeah. Or maybe Macaulay Culkin, Nancy Langan, Nancy. What's her last name in the movie? Whatever. I don't think we get it. Yeah, we might. I assume at some point, like her dad is referred to as you know sheriff, whatever. Um, Sheriff Nancy. But I just can't remember it. Uh, that's okay. She's always goes by Nancy. But obviously this movie comes out before Home Alone. So maybe 
maybe Macaulay Culkin is Heather Langenkamping, the Wet Bandits, instead of the other way around. What was your favorite little, like, iconic scene or kill or whatever in this? Oh, blender bed for sure. Yeah, the blender bed? Yep. The glender? Glender. The glender. Yeah, when they're... You're not going to need a body bag. You're going to need a mop. <laughs> yeah. That's a cop saying that. It sounds that's like something Freddie would say. Where's the coroner? He's puking in the bathroom. So that's... Um, there's a couple times... I don't know. It must be for the Tina sequence, too, but they have a room that spins. So Glenn goes through the bed. Then they turn the room upside down, and it's just like production assistants dumping blood and viscera through the bed to make it look like it's going up, you know? Uh, and then as that scene goes on, they, they keep turning the room. And then at one point it's all like going sideways too, because they keep like turning the room. Um, and then I, th that must be how they do the Tina stuff too. When she's going up the side of the wall and then across the ceiling. Yep. I'm guessing, but I don't know on that one, but I do know the Glenn scene. That's how they do it. Uh, I mean, the, the hand coming out of the bathtub is pretty incredible, too. Mm. That's, again, a thing that you're just like, wow, that's so creepy. You know, it's so creepy. It's you get to have your cake and eat it, too. It's both a pretty clear, like, exploitation film type of move. But you, you, in this context, you get to say you're parodying it, yet it still works on a visceral level mm. of just being what it is on the surface. I I don't know. Good movie. A lot of cool stuff going on. What, so what did you like in this, if anything? I mean, it had its moments, like the the joking stuff with Freddy Krueger and, you know, the tongue coming through the phone I thought was funny and him chopping off his fingers and his, his chest and the maggots coming out and then him just like staring at the camera. I thought that was good. Yeah. I just, I didn't appreciate the horror aspect of it or the, the logic yeah, of it, I guess. Yeah, it's not too... And I expected it to be more logical and more... Hara-esque just because of how famous Freddy Krueger is as this villain. So maybe I went in with too many preconceived notions yeah. about the movie. I think it gets both more comedic and more extreme as it goes on in the series. But I, I, I mean, I could be wrong. I haven't watched them, but that's just my understanding. I would imagine. I didn't watch them because I assumed they would just be even more and more ridiculous. Yeah. Like I said, I might pick and choose. It seems like three and new nightmare people dig. So hmm. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, the other problem is they almost never end up anywhere. Like, I don't know where you end up finding them. I'll have to, like, see where it's streaming. But it's not like Netflix does, like, all of the Freddy movies or something like that. Um, HBO Max had some of them, I thought. Oh, nice. But I, I watched this on HBO Max, but it is also on Netflix. So. I watched it on Netflix. Um, I think HBO Max just works better on my TV for some reason. Uh, yeah, I don't know. HBO Max might have a couple of them. I could see them doing that. Yeah. Yeah, man. Good movie. Just a real testament to the power and effectiveness of practical effects. I didn't mean to say effectiveness of effects, but oh well, it's too late now. <laughs> Happened. And yeah, a lot of this season of Stranger Things has made me think about is the kind of numbing effect of CGI horror when there's like a big CGI monster or whatever. Um, the way that the the monster on this season of Stranger Things kills people is all CGI, but I think it's light enough touch that it still works for me. But the actual thing is there's a guy in a, you know, a monster suit. It is an actor. They CGI some of the stuff on him, mm. but it is at its core a guy in a suit. And, um, you know, the other monsters in Stranger Things are usually completely CGI. So I think that that is a, a, a good move for them and just in general. Robert England with some makeup on his face and a dumb hat running around going like, ha ha ha, bitch. <laughs> so scary. <laughs> really? I, I didn't buy uh, that. A, a more effective, I guess. Gotcha. It's just, it's just like, man, that would suck to run into that guy. <laughs> I wouldn't have liked that at all. I would hate if this man was calling me bitch and chasing me with knife hands. Yeah. And I mentioned, I think before we started recording that a lot of the, the standard, because I listen to so many podcasts that are hosted by people who formerly were improv actors and their go-to impression when they're doing Freddy is calling someone a bitch mm. or not a bitch, just bitch. Um, but he doesn't do that in this movie. So I guess that's in the sequels. <laughs> it just reminds me of uh, Rick and Morty where they do the scary Terry. Right. Yeah, exactly. Scary Terry bitch. Exactly. Yeah. See, that's, that's the, that's the Kruger parody joke, but 
He's not even calling people a bitch on this one. I think he called somebody a bitch at one point. Did he? Yeah. Okay. I remember at least one I want to say. Well, then fuck me. (laughs) (laughs) This whole month we're doing, for Halloween in June, low-budget horror. And I wanted to pick the four movies we picked because I think they speak to sort of different aspects. Halloween being this just hard scrabble team with no money who just happens to be anchored by a visionary and some really effective friends of his who made this iconic movie with, you know, bubblegum and duct tape. This movie uh, essentially makes a whole ass movie production studio exist. New Line was more of a distributor and that's even like a complimentary term for what they really were before this movie comes out. They are the only group that wants to distribute or produce it. I rather um, after West Craven gets turned down by basically every other major and even medium and even minor production studio new lines. Like, yeah, we could produce movies. And even though it's not the exact first one, it is their first major production. And Today, a lot of people say New Line is the house that Freddie built. Um, they spent like all their money on it. If this movie flopped, the New Line probably wouldn't exist anymore. And instead, they eventually, you know, put out the Lord of the Rings movies. So, uh, so thanks, Freddie, because I love those movies. <laughs> uh, Wes Craven, yeah, on his side of things, he had done Last House on the Left, and that is just an absolutely brutal movie that is hard to recommend, as important as it is. Hills Have Eyes. Something called Deadly Blessing that I don't know anything about. His remake of Swamp Thing. And then this. And he goes on to not only be credited with making the Nightmare on Elm Street series happen, but also Scream. And most people don't get two series as uh, you know important as that to the horror canon. So good for him. That being said, the first and I think only movie of his that I saw in theaters was Red Eye. You guys remember that? 2005, I want to say. Killian Murphy and... Rachel McAdams, and they're on a plane. I remember the previews for it. I just never saw it. Is that Rachel McAdams? Have you seen it? I haven't seen it, no. It's good. <laughs> um, yeah, no no monsters, but still more thriller than scary, I guess. Like more tense. Isn't it like her kid goes missing on the plane or something? She works for, I want to say, a senator, and he is like an assassin who is sitting next to her on the plane and is trying to convince her to move the guy that she works for, senator, you know, ambassador, whatever, into a specific part of his, like, hotel room. So there's a sniper that's, like, out on the water that's going to kill him. Hmm. Um, and she's trying to, like, you know, get around doing that. I haven't seen it in at least 10 years, but I think those are the general points. Interesting. I realize the specifics are wrong, but that is the general idea. Okay. Um, and I love Killian Murphy. And if Rachel McAdams is in that movie, I love Rachel McAdams. <laughs> they do a good job. Yeah. And it's Wes Craven just doing his thing. And that is, I'm pretty sure the only Wes Craven movie I saw in theaters. <laughs> he dies in 2015. It is Rachel McAdams. Nice. Uh, yeah. And he only makes my soul to take and then scream Four after red eye. Then he dies. And, um, the most recent scream movie as a not at all subtle, because it wouldn't be fitting to be subtle, tribute to him because there's a character that they toast named Wes and then everyone goes to Wes at one point. And you're like, oh, that was nice. Nice. Uh, the context in the movie isn't quite as heartwarming, I guess, but it's still a cool thing that, I mean, it's Scream, so everything's meta, but that one more so than most. Hmm. Uh, Kyle, did you like the new Scream? Yes. I did too. I like the new Scream a lot. I, I like it a lot. Yeah. They're already talking about making another one. I think that the Scream series is so weird because there's so many in the Scream movie that came out this year, they call it a requel. Uh, I think most people in media are calling it a legacy sequel now, <laughs> but that's being bandied about a lot with the new Top Gun movie 36 years after the first one coming out and doing pretty well. There's so many movies like that, including Scream, who's done it twice now. The first three movies come out, I think, between, what, like 97 and 2000 or 2001. And then the fourth one doesn't come out until 10 years after Scream 3. (laughs) And then 10 or 11 years after Scream 3. And then 
the one that came out this year was another 11 years after Scream 4. And and they're making references to Scream 4 in that movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um I I like the way that the beginning of that movie changed from the rest of the beginning of the movies. Yes. The beginning of the Scream movies with the the beginning girl not being murdered. Yeah. Surviving the attack. Yeah. So when talking about, you know, like the longevity of Freddy Krueger, it's also fun to talk about this other thing that has so many, so much legs that Wes Craven started that is living beyond him because they're talking about making another sequel and that'll be two screen movies that come out after he's died. So, uh, good on Wes Craven, I guess is what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. How do you rank the screen movies while we're at it? Isn't relevant, but I'm curious. Uh, Are we talking about, are we adding in, is it just the movies or are we adding in the TV series as well? I never saw the TV series, so if you want to put that in there, go for it. Okay, because there's multiple seasons of the TV series. Uh, the first two and a half seasons are based off of one group. And then Netflix did a season of their own, which I don't think was as good. Um, they like... Okay. Because MTV didn't want to do the show anymore, but yeah. like didn't finish it either. Uh, but I thought that was really good. So I, I, won't, I won't add those in. Um, I'll just do the movies. One for sure. I think one is great and then i think i go three a lot of people think three is the worst but i agree with you it's not it's not yeah i like three a lot. i like three a lot um one is the best it's got parker posey in it and i'm three. a sucker so and, and none of these movies are bad i don't think i think they're all great mm-hmm. i'm still like the whatever ends up in last i don't think it's terrible i think it's still a great movie uh one three People like two a lot. Yeah, I think two, and then I think four and five are like equal. If I had to pick, I would say five and then four. Uh, with some distance from it, I actually probably just about agree with your ranking. But uh, with the caveat that I also think they're all good and worthwhile. Mm-hmm. I think and you a, should a lot see of people them. I think don't you should think check them out, Robbie. I think they're wicked good. A lot of people don't think three and four are even like worth watching. Um, I disagree. A decent amount of people think that about the new one too, but I would disagree on all counts. Yeah, so they weren't wrong. The world record is 11 days for staying up. It was a kid in the 1960s, a 17-year-old high school student who did it for a science fair. (laughs) Uh, That's generally accepted to be the the world record, and yeah, that would be 264 hours of staying up. So that's the game this week. I'm going to try and stay up as long as I can. It's a new SD card, but I don't think I have 264 hours of recording. I woke up at 8.51 today and haven't fell asleep since, so I'm on seven hours. That's pretty good. Only 257 to go. Yeah. My record. I can do it. Yes, that's about my record. Um, Yeah. uh, Apparently, what, it's, what, 48 hours? Then your brain starts doing micro sleep and really messing with all your cognitive functions. So Mm. her staying up for seven days... Maybe that's part of it too. She doesn't know what's going on. Her brain's probably completely fried. Just thinking of that. Uh, if you ever heard of the sleeping method where you stay up and that you only sleep 30 minutes every four hours to get you the amount of REM sleep you need anyway? Just mm. thinking you just do that to fight Freddy and you just have a 30 minute go with him every four hours for the rest of your life. Yeah. Just listen to like fables of the reconstruction and murmur REM sleep. Automatic for the people playing in the background while you're napping. <laughs> REM sleep, like uh, the band. I see what you did there. Here's a dumb joke. You made a good point, then I just did stupid stuff. I apologize. <laughs> you're fine. <laughs> um, is there a more iconic horror movie villain than Freddy Krueger? And who's who's who else is up there? Michael Myers, Jason Voorhees. Is that Ghost, like Ghostface? Ghostface, sure. He comes later, but probably is on that level, right? Texas guy. Uh, Leatherface? Yes. You got leather, You got your Leatherface? Leatherface, yeah. <laughs> oh, Leprechaun from the Leprechaun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, back into Hood. Dr. Evil from Austin Powers. The, sure. The, the other, got, my, the not, other Michael not Myers. Not scary, but he's got evil right in the name. Yeah. So oh, I think I might have seen Freddy vs. Jason for some reason. I feel like that would have come out right at when... As a teenager, like this is the thing that we put on while we're all teenagers and are hanging out or that's probably going right. out on a Friday night and this is what's out. Like um, Pennywise, maybe. Yeah, with the new movies, I'd say so. Who? Pennywise. Pennywise oh, yeah. yeah. But you got like I, I mean, if we really want to get into it, 
You'd be like Dracula. That's true. Okay. Or you know Frankenstein. Frankenstein. But uh, I think I think we all the, knew what we meant. The OG Satan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Terrifying. Yeah, I think you know as far as the ones you can dress up for as at Halloween. Yeah. Satan. Ghost. <laughs> yeah, I guess Ghostface would be the most recent addition to the canon, right? Uh, Gabriel from Malignant. I have to shout out. We all love Gabriel. We all went as Gabriel last Halloween. Mm-hmm. That sounds facetious, but um, you should watch Malignant if you haven't. It's so good. <laughs> that that was the last time I was watching something, and I was like, ah, the birth of a star. Yeah, that's cool. In the uh, at the the end of uh, fight in a police station. Gabriel's up on top of a table doing like a hero pose. And you're like, ah, we're going to be seeing Gabriel movies the rest of our lives. And mm-hmm. if you've seen Malignant, this last bit has been very funny. You're welcome. Anything else we want to say about 1984's A Nightmare on Elm Street? I like it's. I like that it's A Nightmare on Elm Street. Mm, just one. Because Yeah, exactly. Just one of them. There's probably others. Maybe there's other kids having this exact experience. I think it kind of, you know, maybe we're reading too much into it, but hey, we're doing a podcast on movies, so what else are we going to do? Yeah, right. In Halloween in 1978, that's sort of the uh, deconstruction and, and, you know, violent exploding of the idea of the suburbs as this safe place. This is another horror movie set in the suburbs that even if you put bars on your doors, it doesn't matter because you got to fall asleep eventually. No, but I will say whoever they have that does bars and on their windows and doors, quick service. Quick, quick, quick service. Quickest service I've ever seen in my life. Effective too. They couldn't, you know, <laughs> figure they at least find some weak point. Nope. What was the point of that? She didn't want Glenn to come over anymore? No idea, man. <laughs> I think she thought that the murderer was a real person and she's like, well, I'm going to stop them from getting in the house. Yeah, I mean, that must be it, but she was just, I guess she was drunk at the time when she was ordering her bar's service. <laughs> and then she's never going to drink again, and then she dies. <laughs> yep. That's Maybe. why I think that's, I mean, that's that's definitely a dream, right? Yeah. Because <laughs> that mom would never say she's never going to drink again. You know no. what? I just woke up. I've decided I'm never going to drink again. You know what alcoholics do. They wake up one morning and decide yep. voluntarily to completely stop drinking. Good old, good old Marge. Um, anything else? Yeah. Yeah. yeah so that, charge. so this also being in the suburbs, but just still, still dangerous. I imagine that at the time it, that, that sounds like damning with faint, faint praise, but I mean, you hear all the, all the contemporaneous reports of people being afraid to go to sleep afterwards. I get it. I don't want to go in the ocean because of uh, Jaws probably. But did you guys have any trouble sleeping this week? No, I was fine. Yeah, I was fine too. I just know because my parents were involved in the uh, brutal murder of a child murderer. They don't say, they they specifically don't say molester. But no, um, one thing that I would feel bad for not pointing out because I came up with it all on my own. Um, I mean, it's obviously a sexual thing. It's It's barely subtext, I think, because... We see not that many kills in this, but anytime he successfully or just tries to kill a woman, he's on top of them in bed, squirming around. Mm. But when he kills the two dudes, he's not physically present. Mm, Interesting. He hangs Rod and he pulls Glenn through the bed. Blenderizes. Yes. But that's not him. He doesn't like jump into bed with either of them. No. Are you saying blenderizes or glenderizes? Both. Sometimes both. Okay. (laughs) Interchangeable. Yep. Puts I his do, tender Glenn in a blender. I do hate that they didn't show us what was going on in Glenn's dream. Like, did he pull him into, like, was that a blender? Is that what he got pulled into? <laughs> Smoothie bitch. <laughs> <laughs> that was probably it. That must be it, yeah. All right, well, I think that just about does it for our episode on A Nightmare on Elm Street. Thank you, Robbie and Kyle, for being on this time. Good night. No problem. <laughs> Sleep tonight. Anytime. Uh, one, two podcasts and Freddy Krug. Ah, I forgot the rhyming. Oh, one, two, nine, ten. You'll never podcast again. There you go. <laughs> uh, you can find <laughs> us on Instagram at late to the movies underscore podcast, Gmail, late to the movies at gmail.com on letterbox.com at late to the movies. You can see our ratings and diary of every movie we've done so far. 
Uh, for instance, you'll see something like, on a scale of one to five, on any scale of your choosing, what would you guys give a Nightmare on Elm Street? The three remaining fingers on the sand. <laughs> okay. I'm going to give it one out of five knife fingers. Or, alternatively, since Robbie used fingers, uh, one out of five bitches. <laughs> yeah, you use different kinds of, you use fingers in a different sense, I guess. I don't know. Um, yeah, I'm, I, <laughs> I feel the need to overcompensate since you gave it one, uh, which would be by far our lowest rated movie we've ever done. And we just did a whole month on Marvel, so I know that's not true. Um, <laughs> wow. <laughs> Shots fired. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, I'm gonna give it a four out of five. Mm, yeah, um, four out of five Glenders. Nice. Yep. Thanks, guys. Thanks. See it. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>